This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Pi Beta Alpha, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of the Sweet Valley High TV series, episode by episode. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Wynan. And this week, we're heading to the basketball course. <laughs> Unfortunately. God help us. <laughs> Where we're going to swish upon a star. Ooh. <laughs> I did not realise this was a basketball pun. Mm, yeah, I feel like swish is like a basketball term or like something people say when they get like a basket <laughs> yeah but I mean I played basketball in school but when I say I played I played it in PE class I actually did enjoy it but I was hmm. absolutely not on a team or anything even approach it. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as I was concerned if you could sort of pass it and dribble it and I basically knew the rules mm. that was the extent of my sporting knowledge but that phrases like fair. swish yeah or, do you know what it means yeah, I no, I don't know. I think it's like when you score. Maybe you can go it. swish. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's something people say because I remember at the end of the last one, you thought the swish might have been to do with dresses or something, and I was yes, like, I'm pretty fashion. sure this is going to be basketball related. <laughs> I just I don't know the exact context for the word swish in terms of <laughs> basketball, but I feel like it's to do with scoring. And uh, yeah, there we go. Pie beat Alva siblings, if there's any of you who are basketball experts, let us know how accurate this episode is because uh, <laughs> it's all going over our heads. Well, they're like the basketball team. <laughs> well, we will start off our recap as usual with uh, our taglines and blurbs from both Amazon and Wikipedia. Can you share what is presumably the official one from Amazon, please? I can. And as we know, the official ones can range from accurate to completely mm. inaccurate. That's <laughs> when they just like one day mixed up Liz and Jess completely. Um, <laughs> but no, for this one now, it just says Liz goes to war with Jessica after spoiling Enid's surprise party. Okay, well, that is accurate. Le- mm-hmm. Leaves out the whole swish upon a star. Oh, completely, yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> does not reference the actual plot that's mentioned in the episode title, <laughs> but look, you can't win them all. <laughs> well, here's the uh, Wikipedia one. Elizabeth is sick of Jessica's selfishness. Semicolon. After Todd, Todd's, Todd apostrophe, yes, okay. Uh, after Todd's <laughs> scores the winning points at a game, his fame grow. As much as his ego. This sounds wow. like Charlie Kelly wrote it. Oh, God. <laughs> Maybe this Wikipedia person has a sideline in bird law. What do we know? <laughs> uh, so, yes, his fame grow as much as his ego. When a party is thrown for Enid, Jessica and Todd both show how much they care. A little bit of shade thrown at Jessica and Todd there. Because... Uh, yeah. 
if we know how much they care and it is not at all no indeed yes that sounds accurate <laughs> so i guess i mean apart from the weird sentence construction mm. that is actually uh, pretty accurate it's yeah definitely i mean the grammar not so much but in terms no. of the actual <laughs> points they're getting across yeah that is that that is definitely accurate for wikipedia i would say uh, or i mean more detailed than uh, the official one on amazon so mm-hmm. Um, we, this is the thing you can never you know they keep us guessing these strange <laughs> strange descriptions because you n- never know how accurate it's going to be or not <laughs> well we begin this episode for no real reason in the bathroom of the casa yeah and it is I guess something that gets brought up again later but basically we kind of start off with like Liz singing in the shower so we just see like a like a, I don't know, the shower curtain or, you know, yeah. we know there's someone in the shower, basically. And she suddenly shrieks because uh, there's no hot water. So her head pops out and she's like, Jessica, there's no hot water. Um, but yeah, again, it's literally seconds. Um, but I guess it's just the start of a litany of <laughs> yeah. things Jessica is up to, such as using up all the hot water. Yeah. Um, but uh, but the doorbell rings, yeah, almost <gasps> immediately into this scene. It sure does. And we cut to the, uh, I was going to say the hall downstairs, but it's basically their one of their two rooms in the surprisingly small Smith-level ranch house. And uh, Jessica is nervously letting in a nerd. Yeah. And I have to say, for most of this episode, I had just decided this was Randy Mason. Uh, (gasps) Even though we later find out his name, I was just like, ah, here's Randy. (laughs) A real missed opportunity there because we have a canonical nerd. True, exactly. Yeah. But um, Hmm. yeah, so she's she sees him at the door, of course, and really kind of like rushes him in because she's uh, being very suspicious (laughs) about this whole thing. Because, of course, the fact that anyone might see a nerd enter the Wakefield house and indeed being let in by Jessica would be enough to uh, to put a dent in her reputation. So she's trying to keep keep all this hush hush, whatever his reason for visiting could possibly be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's uh, she's horrified to discover that he parked his scooter right outside the house and not down the street, as I presume she commanded. Mm. And um, she uh, he hands over her chemistry report um, that he is like so he's allegedly her new tutor, but it basically mm-hmm. seems to be doing her homework for her. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Because we find out that Jessica is once again on uh, academic probation, so she's just doing all this to uh, to get back on the cheerleading squad. So this is why she's she... hired this guy or roped him into her <laughs> devious <laughs> plans. <laughs> but she forces him to leave out the back door in case anybody sees him, and uh, he's not too happy because he mutters, "Nobody appreciates me." And Jessica says, and again, the delivery is great. Um, she goes, "Liz was right." chemistry really is hard <laughs> it is when you make a lot of admin for yourself <laughs> it'd actually be easier to just do it yourself <laughs> probably would and the credits will so we cut to the kitchen where Liz is bitching about Jessica using all the hot water and uh, apparently Jessica also went off in the shirt that Liz herself wanted to wear today and Edith wearing an adorable rainbow vest mm. um, vest in a vest like an under you know, a strapless uh, or a spaghetti strapped top, not a vest in an American waistcoat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, What you would call a tank top, Americans. (laughs) 
correct. Yes. <laughs> the glossary of terms, yeah. <laughs> interchangeable <laughs> words, not always meaning the same thing. <laughs> well, it's a very authentic 90s look because she's wearing mm. it over a purple T-shirt. And uh, she says to Liz that, oh, well, the T-shirt, you know, the shirt you're wearing is fine. And, you know, didn't you wear it exactly a year ago on our birthday bowling alley out, bowling alley outing? And for a second, I was like, are they suggesting that, you know, Edith is like so besotted with Liz that she remembers where she wore all her clothes? <laughs> but uh, Edith is hinting at something else. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Because she's very much putting emphasis on the word birthday here. Uh-huh. Uh, because then when uh, Liz starts wondering whether the uh, the milk will be OK for her cereal, she's like, God, Jessica was up all night eating, eating the middle of all the Oreos. Uh. Like, So I hope the milk is OK. And uh you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, milk goes with so many things, doesn't it? You know, cookies, cereal, birthday cake. <laughs> <laughs> Liz just ignores her and bitches about Jessica some more. Mm. And then she pours the milk out of, uh, out of the carton onto her cereal. And it's basically turned into a sort of disgusting foul cheese. Yeah, it's grim. Just out, after being out overnight for one night. I mean, I wouldn't want to drink it, but it's uh, there's something about the climate and the casas. Quite oh. worrying. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's been there for like about a week. I was going to say, that's surely a good week's worth of going <laughs> off, like for it to be lumpy like that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we cut to uh, outside Sweet Valley High, where a gleeful Liz tells Cheryl about all the hints that has been dropping out her, about her birthday, because of course... Liz is planning a surprise party. Oh, it's very cute. Yes. So uh, she has a cake organized and everything. She's ordered a special one from the bakery. It's <laughs> going to be a lamb chop shaped cake. <laughs> and I was so pleased with this because we have established that Enid loves like older kind of TV shows and stuff yeah. like that. And she has mentioned her love of lamb chop before. <laughs> yes. Yes, listeners. When uh, it is a Sherry Lewis and lamb chop as opposed mm. to a chop. Um, so um, Cheryl is uh, sort of slightly bitchily, but Cheryl does redeem herself later on hmm. um, when Liz says that, uh, you know, she's Edith's such a huge fan of Cheryl Lewis and Lamb Chop. Cheryl's like, oh, why doesn't that surprise me? <laughs> um, and the thing with Cheryl is that the actress is really good at being sort of dead fan. And uh, it's just when sometimes when it, it looks like it's targeted as Enid, it sort of looks like she's kind of being bitchy to the dork. <laughs> Which is kind of unpleasant, but we do see later in this episode that she clearly really likes Edith, which she I does. do like. Yes, me too. Yeah, I was worried we were going to get more kind of like mean Cheryl, but like she's actually yeah. not. It's just the kind of the way they give her lines sometimes. It feels like she's picking on people, but yeah. it's, it, it actually is. Yeah. <laughs> and we do like her. Yes, we do. And she's like, a, you know, the actress is is very good at being, you know, sort of charming as well. Yes. Um, so I think if they could just up the sort of deadpan delivery and mm. uh, I mean it's all the script writers it's not the actress oh, and just stop making it look like she's Liz's new best friend who's targeting her old best friend yeah, kind of what it's like sometimes <laughs> but anyway apparently Liz hopes that Edith doesn't suspect anything because she wants to for once have organised a successful surprise party because apparently Todd's didn't go so well yeah, well, <laughs> uh, Cheryl points out that apparently Todd's party was actually a success, but it turns out that Liz actually forgot to bring Todd to it. So I guess everything else was great. It was just the actual birthday person themselves hmm. <laughs> didn't quite make it. <laughs> to be honest, I don't think it would have suffered from an absence I mean, of Todd. <laughs> was that a real loss? Let's be honest. 
I'm sure everyone else I, had a great time. Yeah. I think Todd's birthday party would definitely be better without Todd at it. <laughs> yeah. Surprise, <laughs> you're not invited. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Liz isn't sure whether to invite Todd to this party because things are, of course, still a bit weird between mm. them. And Cheryl sensibly says, look, the longer you leave this, the harder it's going to be to break the ice. And says, you know, Enid will want him there yeah. uh, because I guess they were friends. Um, yes. But we haven't seen them together for quite a while. We did see them in the Bet episode. That's true, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I guess he's still part of the gang and, you know, she yeah. would want him to be there, which is fair. Yeah. We cut to a classroom and Todd is just sort of fiddling away with his Walkman when Liz approaches. Yeah. And now I have to say in this scene, I was suddenly starting to warm to this Todd because for once he wasn't being all like surly and, you know, mean yeah. and stuff because he was actually happy to see Liz. Yeah. Uh, and when she invited him to Enid's party, he was excited about it. And he was like, oh, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be there. But then he was kind of saying, oh, but you're not going to bring your new boyfriend, are you? Uh, and she explains to him, look, no, me and Peter broke up. And and he is kind of he is kind of charming here because he, he does is. say, yeah. you know, oh, you know, I'm not going to say I'm not happy about it. Or he kind of makes some kind of crack like that where he basically is happy to hear that Peter's no longer in the picture, yeah. but it's not in a dickish way. Yes. And I was like, God, maybe maybe this Todd is actually OK, because he was quite nice here. And him and Liz, you know, they had a nice little bit of banter going on. Yeah. And uh, when when they've, you know, she's told him all the details for the, the party and that it's a surprise party and everything. He's like, yeah, yeah, no bother. I've got all this. And as she's about to leave, he's like, oh, don't forget to bring Enid to this one. And she's like, oh, yeah. never want to live that down. And it's a reference to his party from before. And it's of very course. sweet. It is sweet. They have a little moment. And, you know, again, he's sort of warm and he's not being a dick. And uh, yeah, the, he had potential, but you will discover, listeners. <laughs> How quickly potential can be squandered. <laughs> <laughs> On both the basketball court and in life. We go to the dressing room where we discover that Manny is apparently the manager of the gladiators. The baseball version of the gladiator. Or sorry, the basketball version. Basketball. Yeah, I guess. And, you know, in a way, this kind of I kind of liked this because it's it's one of these things that pops up in the books as well. We're like, um, yes, was it Ricky was like he was the cheerleader manager, cheerleading manager. And then Terry was like the statistician for the the footballers. And he kind of seems to be the statistics guy. Mm-hmm. You should relate to him then. <laughs> Me and Manny are kindred spirits. <laughs> Um, but yeah so he's there he's got his little little team manager jacket on and everything I was like good for you Manny (laughs) well he tells Todd that basically he's in every sense of the word like in terms of I don't know pass successful passes and Mm. baskets and I don't know my really my knowledge of basketball was uh, probably even more limited than I thought it was (laughs) um he's a star player in every way basically Mm -hmm. and the coach appears and um Dismissive of Manny, I thought. Kind of a jerk to Manny, I thought too. Yeah, like because Manny's just excited to be involved, and the coach was very like, "What are you doing here, Manny? Get out of here! This isn't doesn't concern you." Um, so yeah, he, I, just I ask him for the stats. He and does. Then just tells him to fuck off, basically. Yeah, I didn't care for the coach's attitude towards Manny. No. I have to say. Well, he tells Todd that uh, you know this is probably this <clears throat> tough opponent in tonight's match, <clears throat> and Todd needs to give a hundred and ten percent out there. And uh, Todd says he will. So um, 
the gladiators leave for the court and they all jump up and slap the Sweet Valley High gladiators logo at the door. Except little Manny, who can't reach it. Oh, I know. <laughs> That's it. They all kind of one by one file out, all, you know, amped up for this game and all like, yeah, tap the, the top of the door for him with the big <laughs> jump. And poor Manny just, he has to run back and try again. And he does get it eventually. Yeah. Oh, he's doing his best. <laughs> oh my gosh. To the castle. <laughs> Where Jessica is sitting on the couch, gazing at headshots like a full actor headshots. I, I was just like, her has she, what is happening? Does she have a side gig as like a casting agent or something? <laughs> what is happening here? This is very strange. She picks one up and she goes all dreamily like Gary oh, and sighs and then kind of stops and goes, or was it Larry? <laughs> she seems very unsure about the whole thing. Well, there are literally dozens of hunks mm-hmm. on this coffee table. Um, <laughs> and uh, Jessica's so preoccupied with them, she doesn't notice when the the nerd appears again <laughs> and tries to tell her something about atoms, but she just sighs, Adam, <laughs> and uh, tells the nerd, well, well, they're just sort of, she just talked to herself. <gasps> monologuing. Ooh, you might say. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think she thinks the nerd cares much about this. Because um, she says Adam had incredible hair. If only his car had a CD player. Because apparently that was the deal breaker. Mm. And uh, the nerd finally cracks and he's like, you know what you are? And she says, and again, the delivery is great. Because <laughs> she says, with sort of genuine interest, what? <laughs> <laughs> Well, he exclaims that she's untutorable. Uh, <gasps> so he quits. So he's had enough of this and enough of her shite. Um, yeah. And she says, oh, yeah, whatever. Uh, just leave the answers on the table. And uh, the poor nerd reminds her that she owes him three weeks pay. Mm. But she she snaps back with quite a jibe. Oh, well, um, oh, I missed that. Bit. Yeah, what was she says, oh, what do you need money for? An oh. airbag for your scooter? And... I was sort of, I guess because uh, for me in the 90s, scooters were like Labrettas and Vespas and they were associated with very cool mods. So oh, it yeah. didn't seem like having a scooter did not seem like a dorky thing to me. No. It would seem no, like something very, somebody very cool. And like it's a, cool. Or like you or say, like, it's a mod thing or it's like you're Italian or something. Well, but holiday or something. Like, <laughs> But yeah, apparently it's uh, the sign of utter nerddom here. So she just dismisses him um, and goes back to smirking at her collection of hunks. <laughs> oh God, where are they now? That's what I want to know. Oh. <laughs> well, angry Liz arrives home and she's all flustered and kind of sweaty and messy uh, because she had to walk all the way to the bakery and all the way home because Jessica basically abandoned her and went off with the jeep. And uh, she says, Jessica, better have a good excuse. And Jessica says she does. Yeah, she explains that uh, she had to get home because she forgot to set the VCR to record that day's episode of Search for Love. And then she realised, and we finally have an explanation for this, that she, well, kind of an explanation, uh, she realises that she had to alphabetize all her ex-boyfriends. So that's what this um, haphazard collection of points are doing out on the table. They're about to be part of a filing system, I guess. I have so many questions about this filing system. Like, how is she? I mean, I understand how she is alphabetizing them by their names. But like, is it like a filing cabinet? Is it a ring binder? Like, is it? Binders full of hunks. (laughs) 
<laughs> wow. I mean, the, it doesn't surprise me to know that she has. So, and it, Liz is just enraged and she asks, uh, you know, just in in an angry sort of hmm. rhetorical question way, like, do you, do you ever think about anyone but yourself? And Jessica's like, sure. I think about the football team all the time. <laughs> but, but of course, Liz insists that she's being serious here. Uh, so Jessica's like, okay, okay, you know, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm wrong. And she kind of trails off and goes, you know, and whatever else you expect me to say. So she's really not taking any of this in whatsoever. No, it is a very fake apology. And then when an exhausted Liz tries to sit down on the couch, Jessica sort of boots her off to stop her sitting on Zachary because apparently it took her forever to find a dateable Z. I mean, Z. <laughs> so she really, I mean, that sounds like the alphabetizing was kind of a plan she had in advance. Like she was going to work through an alphabet of hunks. It kind of seems that way, yeah. That maybe did her and Lila have a bet to see who could reach the end of the alphabet first? Like... <laughs> I need to know more about this. <laughs> well, we got to the basketball course. Basically, all I need to know is that Todd scores the winning basket in a single shot from the far end of the course. Mm-hmm. And we get a sort of slow motion moment of the uh, the the crowd on the bleachers go nuts, basically. Oh, yeah, definitely. Also, there, I feel like whoever was kind of... Um doing the kind of transitions between scenes was having a bit of fun in particular. Oh, in they episodes. were! Because, like, it was noticeable how many, like, weird little kind of... Yeah. Is it a wipe? Or what? what is it that you call it? Like, when you're kind of switching between scenes like Yes, that. I know but, what you like, mean. Because even to, to kind of switch from the casa with the twins to this to the basketball court, it kind of started with, like, the shot of Liz and Jess, but then it was, like, the scoreboard that we were about to cut to kind of bounced along the screen like it was a basketball and then like (laughs) filled the screen and I was just like well that was fun someone's enjoying themselves here and they haven't finished enjoying themselves as you'll see later on listeners this is the start of a pattern in this particular episode (laughs) we may not get a montage but we do get some truly extraordinary transitions oh absolutely and I was here for it (laughs) well we cut to the moon beach in, in just a regular sort of cut where the extras are having the time of their goddamn lives. Oh my God, the extras were extraing <laughs> extra hard in this episode. It was amazing. Oh my God. Because, yes, like Todd walks into the moon beach and everyone's cheering for him, but it's like, like Will kids, Will kids. Can I have your autograph? And like, oh my God, it's him. Like, so much like background chatter. All the way through this episode, but like particularly these scenes, just wonderful work. (laughs) Well, everybody, he sits, takes a seat with Manny, uh, but everybody crowds around him and starts asking him about, they're like, tell us about the shot. I really don't know how much they expect him to say. And actually, he can't really explain it she's just like well you know I just got it through it um, but uh, before he, they could ask him any more ridiculous questions Winston presents him with the Todd burger it's double beef oh my god in fact it's the super Todd burger because oh. <laughs> it is like a really ridiculously tall burger that I don't know how anybody's supposed to eat um, oh, but yeah it's, I it's... hate giant burgers and that you know when they're more know, vertical yeah. but um, apparently yes it's the newest item on the menu at the moon beach so he lands it down in front of Todd uh, very congratulatory way and uh, yeah and then says that it's on the house uh, for Todd at least uh, mm-hmm. and then a girl kisses Todd as he's like accepting the hamburger it's all very 
over <laughs> very funny um yeah so Winston's like who else wants a super Todd burger and everyone's like yay but then he's like yeah that's 5.95 plus tax and everyone's like oh they still want the burger because they're all just on the Todd train now and the hype is real <laughs> Todd mania has begun mm. Um, so Manny tells Todd they have to go because the Sweet Valley Tribune want ah. to interview him and uh, the extras are like don't go oh no he's leaving oh, I want your autograph <laughs> and um, after they walk out the door Winston uh, sells them Todd's used napkin oh god yes the Todd Wilkins souvenir napkin so like a crowd of girls like and it is probably like Beatlemania they just like rush over yeah. to Winston and he's like I'll start the bidding at $10 so Winston <laughs> is squeezing this for every dollar he can get and fair play to him absolutely I mean you know if he's going to be a full-time diner manager while also being at school he might Does as well he get make to go something. to school we don't even know anymore <laughs> we do see him in school later in this episode oh, but uh, yeah so so i guess the uh the patman empire um do let him out yeah. by the way speaking of the patman empire we don't see shred in this episode oh, we didn't see him last week you're right we didn't see him yeah i was starting to miss him now in this this week's one i have to say it's like okay we need a bit more shred in our lives now come on well, especially as we know, he's not going to be in the next final mm. series. So, uh, yeah, we uh, we hope that there'll be more shred before the season ends. I'm sure there will be. Yeah. Well, we cut to the Casa del Wakefield, where a sad Jessica lies on her bed beneath her giant poster of Shaggy. Amazing. I just, I mean, choices were made with, yeah. with this production design. And like, fuck it, why not Shaggy? <laughs> and it is explicitly a... Uh, Boombastic poster. <laughs> He's in his boombastic era. How could you not be tempted? <laughs> well, Lila comes in and hands Jessica the membership lists of the Deep Space Club and the Gigabyte Guild. And uh, apparently, just saying a gig, the word gigabyte makes Lila feel uncool, uh, which just shows how much <laughs> things have changed in oh, 25 gosh. years. It's amazing. Yes, because, uh, well, Jessica's delighted to get these membership lists because now apparently she has every techie and tricky in Sweet Valley at her fingertips. Uh, so she'll find a new tutor in no time, she reckons, um, and calls one immediately from the list. Yes, his name is Quan Lee, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and she expects that he'll be delighted to hear from her. But he's already read, apparently, that she didn't pay Melvin the money she owed him and when she hangs up she tells Lila he's already uh, put it out on the internet and uh, Lila's like pretty much okay well then you're fucked because nerds love the internet (laughs) so good and it's just so sincerely delivered as well because that's who the (laughs) internet was for in 1994 it was nerds exactly (laughs) and then Jessica's enraged she's like if they think they can outsmart me and then she pauses and a look of true dismay comes on her face then she says oh wait they can oh it's <laughs> and again, properly like, funny it's so funny like Brittany is so funny at just she her her line delivery is really really good I feel like particularly yes. in this series she's just she's nailing it like yes she really is her comic timing is fantastic mm. and uh yes her she's got this mixture of kind of camp mm. knowingness that is uh very fun to watch it really is. I mean, considering where we started in episode oh. one, season one, like we've come so far with these twins. <laughs> so far, they've really come on. And yeah. I don't know why I'm feeling proud of them, of people who are the same age as me uh, doing <laughs> something nearly 30 years ago. But you know what? I am proud of them. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> 
where we cut <laughs> to the corridors <laughs> of the school and uh, manager Manny oh, is strolling along with Winston, who is wearing a promotional T-shirt. Did you notice that? Red. Oh, yes, I did. I... <laughs> and how? Yeah, because Manny, Manny is fully wearing like a three-piece suit. Yes. So there's like a red waistcoat involved in everything. He's on a phone, so you know things are kicking up a notch Whoa. here. Um, he's, uh, he explains that he manages Mr. Wilkins and whoever he's on the line to, uh, he tells him, look, if you want him to speak to, speak to your bridge club, you have to go <laughs> through me. And uh, and Winston's T-shirt that he clearly made uh, says, I ate at the Moon Beach Diner before the big shot. And then there's like a big picture of Todd's face on it in the middle as well. It's incredible. <laughs> Speaking of incredible, uh, the extras uh, start losing their shit again. Go, there's Todd. Let's ask him about the shot. The shot, like the big shot, is the thing. And oh my god, it's so funny it's because it, the key, it's like they just got this one or two audio clips of people going, "Tell us about the shot," <laughs> and they just keep playing it over and over whenever Todd walks into into frame. It's yes. wonderful. <laughs> Well, Todd does stroll in, uh, also dressed in a three-piece suit uh, mm-hmm. with an open neck shirt. I guess oh him and Maddie went suit shopping. Um, <laughs> and he's surrounded by cheerleaders and he starts yes. to tell them about the Josh again. But uh, he's he's a lot cockier than he was when we saw him in the Moon Beach a few days ago. Well, this is the thing, because like immediately after the game, he did, not that he was dismissive, but he did kind of say, oh, you know, it was just luck. But yeah. now he's got a big spiel to go with it about how he's so amazing. And, you know, he's like, oh, things were desperate out there in the court and we knew we could pull it out. You know, we had me after all. So he's oh. really fully like buying into his own mm-hmm. hype at the minute. Yeah. Uh, he's wearing like dickhead sunglasses and everything oh, yeah. while he's doing all this. And it's just like, oh, Todd, you're absolutely doing the most. <laughs> and quickly he turned like mm. we were literally just a few scenes ago. Yeah. We were starting to warm to him at last. And then yeah. uh, he lost his skin. Just, yeah, so quickly. <laughs> well, Coach approaches. Is it Coach Schultz? Not sure. And mm. um, he tells Todd that he missed the last two practices. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And Todd's like, I was busy. And Coach says, well, we have a big game this week and mm. I need to, you know, you basically better be there today for practice. But um, t- co- um, Todd says that uh, he's got a lot on and uh, Manny reveals his daily schedule. Yeah, so Manny has to run through his his afternoon's appointments because apparently at 2.30, he's got an appointment with Pierre for like hairstyling. At oh, 3.30, he's doing some autograph signing at like, was it gold medal sports equipment or something? Yeah. And it was like, ooh, a shop name. That's interesting. <laughs> Not the sports shop. Indeed. Uh, and then he has like a photo call with the mayor. Um, so basically, he's fully booked almost. Yeah. But he does say he could probably squeeze in a few uh, a few free throws at about three or three fifteen. But of course, the coach is extremely unimpressed with this uh, attitude that he's got. No, he is. Yes, he is uh, very unimpressed. He says that if Todd doesn't turn up for the regular practice today, he can watch the big game from the bench. And Todd is it's just ridiculously dickish about it because he's like, that wouldn't be smart, would it? And he's like slaps the coach's shoulder and says, without me, you lose. And coach finally has had enough of Todd's nonsense and says, no, you lose. Consider yourself. Benched. Ah, that's what he gets. Stars him right. Hmm. Up to the moon beach. They're watching a fucking video of the <laughs> shot. Oh, God. 
god, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I was confused first. I was like, is it that the game is on TV? And they're yes. like, no, this is the shot. Like, I don't know what's weirder that that the, <laughs> that a live high school basketball thing would be on TV or that they'd be re replaying one from before. <laughs> Look, either way, it's madness. Um, but <laughs> the extras are loving it. Of course, they are. They are just just absolutely <laughs> loving life in this episode. They're so funny. Uh, but is it Cheryl? Uh, Cheryl is yeah. chatting to Winston and she's like, oh, you know, it's a good thing you uh, or she's chatting to, uh, to Liz because she yeah, says it's they're a good thing that, uh, yeah, she says it's a good thing that that, uh, that Liz invited Todd uh, to Enid's party before the big shot. Now that he's a fucking celebrity. Ugh. And uh, yeah, Liz, uh, Liz is, you know, just laughs it off and says she knows that Todd would never miss Enid's party. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, we see, this is, you know, we mentioned earlier, this is when we see that Cheryl is clearly genuinely fond of Enid because she mm. looks absolutely delighted that they managed to keep the secret from her and there's only three days to go to her birthday. Yeah. Um, so they were doing a great job. And then <laughs> Enid arrives dressed in a reverse Baker Boy hat and uh, quite a t-shirt. Again, they're mad for the homemade T-shirts in this particular yeah. episode because she sits down and it's so cute. So her T-shirt just says three days till and then there's like a picture of like a slice of birthday cake. Yeah. So she's really kind of done away with any kind of attempts at subtlety at this point. Uh, so she sits herself down anyway across from Liz and says, uh, oh, were we talking about anything special? Yeah, and uh, asks if they've got anything planned for Friday. And uh, Liz and Cheryl are like, oh, you know, Nickelodeon's running a Mr. Belvedere marathon. So, you know, got to watch that. But then, <laughs> but then Jessica arrives and uh, demands that Liz tutor her. Oh, my God. Yeah. But um, um but uh, poor Liz, of course, is like, look, no, I'm I'm busy at the minute. Uh, yes, she says um, that she doesn't have time and Jessica's like, oh, you haven't got time for your own sister, but you have time to plan Enid's surprise party. Oh, man, she just fully blows the whole thing. And like Cheryl and Liz are both furious. But Enid, <laughs> she's so cute. She is thrilled by this news. Yes. She's not a bit disappointed. Um, so Liz is, uh, is uh, you know, spitting fire and uh, drags Jessica away and gives out for her like what the fuck did you do that for like blurting yeah. out Edith's party right in front for and Jessica again hilariously is like Edith's here <laughs> and Liz says she's sitting right next to you and Jessica dismissively says I never noticed Edith oh god yeah she's just like does not understand what she's just done basically because she's just like oh you know whatever like she'll have another birthday next year this isn't a big deal <sighs> But Liz is appalled by how self-centered Jessica is being. Well, that she always is. Well, yeah. Um, and uh, Jessica's like, I'm not. And Liz says that from now on, Jessica's on her own. Oh. And the sad guitar plays. Hmm. But uh, Enid is, uh, we, she goes back to Enid, who again has this delightful positive attitude. She's just buzzing to learn that there is, in fact, a party about to happen. So she's like, so, you know, what was the plan? Was everybody going to, like, jump out and yell surprise? Because I would have been so surprised. But, like, again, <laughs> she's just so happy about this whole thing. It's very sweet. Um, but it, despite the fact that Eden's cheerful spirit hasn't mm. been dampened, Liz is still on the warpath and, in fact, says that this means war. <gasps> and we get the second amazing cut. 
oh my god again the transitions I whatever files they suddenly discovered in their editing software (laughs) transition templates were popping off because this one it's like a fire transition where like the next scene kind of comes up through flames on the screen oh it's just amazing (laughs) seriously you this is where the budget went the budget Mm. went on printing t-shirts and (laughs) basketball and flame three themed scene transitions yes that's what it was so uh yes we cut to the kitchen uh of the Casadel Wakefield and Liz is walking out the back door but then she comes back takes the milk out of the fridge and leaves it on the counter now this seems like a punishment for Jessica that would also be a punishment for you Liz but whatever mm. um and then we cut to her and Jessica or sorry her and Enid they're out driving in the jeep and it's another uh, attempt to get one over on Jessica. Mm, yeah, because now she's going to have to get the bus to school. So Liz is delighting in the fact that uh, that Jessica is going to be so annoyed by this. And God, she wishes she could see her face when uh, when she realizes. But then they run out of gas because oh. Jessica used uh, all the petrol the other day um, and didn't fill it up. Well, so we cut to the match where the angry or the well they sound quite angry the the extras are chanting <laughs> we want wilkins we want wilkins it's terrifying it's quite demanding uh but yeah so like todd kind of jumps up off the bench at one point when the i think the the coach is taking somebody off the court but he sends in somebody else yeah um, but yeah and the crowd are not appreciating this and of course neither is todd he's fuming but uh, but you know he did bring this on himself because he is oh, in fact benched he is and rightly so hmm. We cut to the Moon Beach pool hall where Cheryl looks adorable in a very 90s uh, fitted striped rainbow tee and a mm. lime miniskirt. And uh, she asks how the war on Jessica is going. <laughs> and an angry Liz who is wearing the sort of top that Helen Daniels might have worn in Neighbours um, <laughs> is, is basically reveals it's not going well. Yeah, she says she's losing because nothing phases Jessica, apparently. She doesn't care about anything. <laughs> Cheryl's like, yeah, except herself. <laughs> Not wrong. So uh, Liz misses the shot and uh, she hears the voice of the nerd, whose name we discover is Melvin, uh-huh. uh, saying that, you know, she might want to calculate the friction of, you know, the, I don't know, the cue against the the felt. Density or the ball or whatever. Yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> um, but uh, Liz and genuinely really nicely says like, oh, hi, Melvin, what's up? And uh, he reveals he and his nerd pals, because he's there with his nerd herd, <laughs> are going to head back to his house to check out his new abacus. <laughs> yeah, I, sure. Why not? But he reckons things could get pretty wild uh, and invites her if she wants to come too. And Liz very sweetly declines, yeah. but like does it in a very nice way yeah. where obviously she's on very good terms with these guys and they like her too. And it is quite nice to see nerds not being like mistreated all the time. Exactly. And even Cheryl refrains from, you know, making a sarky hmm. comment and actually is smiling at them too. Yeah. Um, so uh, Melvin asks Liz to remind her, her sister that she owes him a hundred bucks mm-hmm. and she apologises for Jessica's dreadfulness and says if it's any consolation she's driving me crazy too and uh, Melvin says he finds it difficult to comprehend that Jessica and Elizabeth are genetic replicas because <laughs> Liz is so nice and Jessica is so and Cheryl just goes self-absorbed <laughs> and, <laughs> not wrong Cheryl no <laughs> But then Liz has an idea. 
yeah, we can see the, uh, the something realizing uh, or the realization on her face that uh, that she can do something here because she then asks Melvin, does he want to uh, help her teach Jessica a lesson? Mm. We cut to outside the moon beach where Melvin is in his best bib and tucker, which is a sort of checked, loud, oversized check jacket, a giant bow tie <laughs> and uh, pulled up trousers. Oh, yeah. Of course. Classic nerd outfit. Definitely. And arrives with Liz wearing a trench coat, which she takes off to reveal Jessica's cheerleading outfit. Aha. Yes. So unmistakably, she will be Jessica. There'll be no uh, no confusion there. And uh, yeah, so she says, she asks him if he's ready and he takes out a little breath spray. I think he pulls up his pants a little bit more for good measure <laughs> and says, let's rock. <laughs> and she reminds him to call her Jess. Mm-hmm. So they enter. And again, the extras are making the most of their time on the set. Truly, yes, because we're getting all kinds of chatter in the background or foreground, really, because it's just everyone going, oh my God, is that who I think it is? I can't believe it. Is that Jessica? (laughs) And Melvin, who is clearly loving this, uh, says, should we get a booth together, Jessica? And Liz, in full Jessica mode, is like, as long as we can be alone. (laughs) So everyone is going nuts and uh, Cheryl, clearly a plant, is sitting at the counter and turns to a cheerleader sitting next to her and is like, is that Jessica Wakefield with the president of the Jet Propulsion Club? And uh, (laughs) as the cheerleader goes to spread the word, you just see Cheryl looks delighted. And speaking of people looking delighted, we cut to Enid. Yeah, she's sitting. It looks like she's sitting with some either basketball or football players. I'm not sure. They're all wearing the kind of red gladiator jackets. But she's like jocks. Enid is surrounded by jocks. Good for you, Enid. (laughs) She's like, check it out. There's Jessica Wakefield with Melvin. Um, And actually, I don't know if you noticed this, but like when when they walk in at first, Winston is kind of looking on devastated because as far as he knows this is Jessica with a nerd and he's like that could have been me (laughs) oh my god I did not notice that yeah he kind of follows them kind of halfway through the diner and then like sits down beside Cheryl at the counter and just looks so dejected his poor little face (laughs) so he's obviously so he's definitely not in on it but it was such a good detail because we know he's always fancied Jessica (laughs) but just the fact that like She's dating a nerd, but it's not me. It's just all (laughs) over his face. It's great. (laughs) Well, the nerd that she allegedly is dating takes out a box of 3D space chess and asks what she'd like to play. And Liz, as Jessica, sighs and says, I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) Well, we cut to school the next day and uh, we see Jessica and Lila and uh, wardrobe wise, they've gone full clueless they really have and like Jessica has been going hard on the neckerchiefs this season anyway but like yes it's such a fun detail to her wardrobe now I do really enjoy it but yeah they're really in on the pastels and neckerchiefs um and I think she's in all kind of like a lilac outfit and yes. is Lila wearing green here or kind of like a minty kind of color? it's sort of a mint green and like a plaid a-line pastel mm. mini skirt yeah, I do. I really liked their look actually in this scene. But yeah, they're walking Same. along the hall and uh, Jessica is confronted by the uh, the cheerleading squad. Yes. And the cheerle- uh, the head cheerleader, I guess, says, ready girls. And they all go, two, four, six, eight. You took a nerd out on a date. Five, three, five, seven, nine. You lose your pom-poms for that crime. Uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> 
it was actually quite funny, but it was weirdly lackluster in terms of wasn't it? cheer and pep. And I was like, we've had cheerleading scenes before. And I don't know who these girls were, but they're clearly the fucking B squad because like, <laughs> come on, ladies, get up yeah, here. <laughs> they, they are barely shaking those pom poms. Yeah. Like it's their hearts aren't in it. No. Uh, well, Jessica says, oh, that dork is just spreading rumours to get back at me. But the nameless head cheerleader says, Amy Sutton! Saw the scooter! Parked outside her house. I love that Amy Sutton, like, we got a very brief glimpse of her in the very first episode of series oh. one. And since then, she's kind of turned into, like, like Lilith from, or not Lilith, uh, Maris. what's her name, Maris from, from Frasier, the kind of like person who's mentioned and you never see them because yes. we had this again, was it in the last series when uh, Jessica's trying to get rid of Lila and she's like, Amy Sutton just walked in wearing the same outfit as you. Yes. And we kind of get Amy's name thrown around, but we never see her anymore. And I'm just like, <laughs> what happened to Amy? She's missing in action. Listen. Let us know if she ever appears later on. Like, is it going to be a Ken Matthews situation? <laughs> um, but I love the reference to her. Oh, same. I mean, we're always complaining when they throw in some random name. We're like, why couldn't that be someone we know? But uh, I do enjoy the uh, the repeated Amy Sutton mentions. But yes. never again did we get a look at her after that first very first <laughs> well, episode. It's so funny. I, I seem to remember she looked about thirty five in that I episode mean, as well. That's standard. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jessica says that Melvin was tutoring her, uh, tutoring her and hmm. the cheerleader says, well, tell us one thing that you learned from him. And of it, course, Jessica can't. Oh, there's just complete silence from Jessica here. She doesn't even attempt anything or go like, uh, or try and make something up. So the head cheerleader is like, yeah, case closed. Uh, and then she also points out that, look, it's all the one anyway, because everybody saw you at the moon beach last night. And Jessica says she was out with Lila, but Lila has clearly, you know, seen that Jessica is sullied now <laughs> about this association with Melvin and yeah. starts backing away saying, I don't know where you were between nine and ten. And uh, she escapes and the cheerleaders strut off as Jessica wails that it wasn't her. It must be someone who looks like her and realises that was Liz. So she runs around the corner, presumably hunting for Liz. <laughs> And she bumps into some nerds. She does. So there's three nerds there. And when they see her, they're all like, oh, hey, Jess, looking for a tutor in like inverted commas. Yeah. <laughs> and they all get a fit of laughing. So Jessica is most upset by all of this that now the uh, the nerds think that she's someone that might actually go out with them. And she, she is very dramatic in her reaction. She's all, mm. all sort of like cowering away from them in a sort of, yes. no, no <laughs> sort of fashion. Again, she's like the horror movie actress that never was. Like somebody oh. make her a scream queen please not too late <laughs> get her in the next series of the yellow jackets honestly well we cut to the locker room and todd approaches the coach and apologizes um you know seemingly sincerely and mm. says oh that the attention went to his head and he'll do whatever it takes to get back on the team and coach says well it'll take coming back to you know, daily practice with a new attitude. So Todd says he'll be at every practice and he'll be given 110%. Yeah. And uh, Coach's like, that's more like it. And he leaves. And Manny joins Todd. And uh, Todd puts on his shades. <gasps> no, the douchebag shades. Yeah, because yes. Manny's like, how did it go? And as soon as Todd puts on the sunglasses, he like reverts back to like asshole <laughs> mode. So he's like, I've got him eating out of the palm of my hand. Uh, so yeah, so he's just straight back into egotistical maniac and uh, yeah, he's talking to Manny then. He's like, oh, have you got that limo for us? Because that party can't start until I arrive. And Manny's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Enid's birthday party. 
And Todd's like, oh, get real. I'm in the big leagues now. So he clearly has no interest in going to Enid's party now. Oh, and he but, leaves and Manny looks troubled. Mm, yeah, that's... Of course, because we know Manny has a... Uh, he's still holding a torch for Enid, so you're not going to diss her on his watch. Good. Though, of course, it, well, not that good because he doesn't actually say anything about it. He just looks troubled. But maybe yeah, well, <laughs> at some stage he'll stand up for uh, for Enid against uh, douchebag Todd. You never know. Well, we cut back to the casa where Jessica rushes in saying she's finished in Sweet Valley. They have to move because now she's an outcast. <laughs> and this reveals she's typing up a confession. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> which will run in tomorrow's oracle. I was let her like what's with the immediate attraction? Just let it hang, like fuck it. <laughs> also, what's like what will Mr. Collins say about this? This is a very weird use of the oracles, um, <laughs> but you know, pages. Mm. Uh, and I was thinking also, it's going to make Melvin. You know, it's not really fair to Melvin. Uh, but uh, then she reads aloud from the column, and Melvin comes out quite well. Uh, yes, because, uh, yes, yeah, so Jessica's reading over her shoulder uh, and it says something like, uh, yeah, Jessica was not at the moon beach with Melvin. I was. Melvin Stewart is a brown belt in karate and much cuter close up. His phone number is. And Jessica's like, what is all of this? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> kind of gives his phone number uh, because apparently Liz made a deal with Melvin. If he helped her, she'd basically give him a free personal ad in the yeah. oracle this was actually sponsored content <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally is i hope it says that on the mm. bottom of the of the column you should disclose these things liz what about your yeah. journalistic integrity Come on now. oh please <laughs> what journalistic integrity i think we've learned she has none well, uh, Jessica says she has to print it out and fax it to the cheerleaders <laughs> straight away because they don't have email addresses. They're not nerds. Of course not. They have fax machines. But I love that it's like we've to fax it to the cheerleaders <laughs> as if they have like a little headquarters with a fax machine that they all gather at. Oh, cool. Look, the fax is coming from Jessica Wakefield. <laughs> An urgent fax from another cheerleader. Quick. <laughs> Well, Jessica says, not so fast. Uh, before anyone sees this confession, Jessica must promise to be more considerate in the uh, in the future. And Jessica's mm. like, I am considerate. And Jessica lists all her crimes and uh, asks, is this what a considerate person would do? Mm. And again, Jessica isn't taking this seriously because she's like, oh, you know, I know this one. Uh, the answer is no, isn't it? And Liz is like, look, I'm serious. This, like, you actually have been terrible lately. Yeah. <laughs> yes, just lately. But uh, mm. but Jessica does realise that, look, this actually is an issue. And she's like, look, I actually didn't realise you felt this way. It's like, I don't know how you wouldn't cop that. But OK, she does actually apologise sincerely. Uh, she does. Yeah, she says she'll do better in the future and says that she doesn't do these things on purpose. She just gets caught up with being me. I say I... much about what the me oh is like. Mm. Yeah, this didn't seem like a very good explanation. No, but she does seem sincere when she says she's going to try and change her ways. This is uh, so they hug, and uh, Liz says that she can choose her, but um, there's something that Jessica has to help her with. Uh-huh. So we cut to the moon beach, and Enid strolls in uh, in a birthday, I guess, baker boy, and a very <laughs> authentically 90s. A sort of 70s style print top under a slip dress. Mm. Um, 
And she looks genuinely confused because the moon beach looks genuinely deserted. Mm. And uh, then the gang appear all shouting surprise. And Edith's like, but my birthday's not till tomorrow. And they're all like, exactly. Surprise. Oh, and yeah. it's actually really cute. <laughs> it's so cute. I was so charmed by this. So they still managed to pull off yeah. a surprise by just moving it up a day. So good yeah. for everybody. <laughs> I love this. Mm. Um, so, you know, she hugs Winston and Cheryl and then, well, Lily, oh, Lily, Liz <laughs> asks Manny what's happened to Todd and, mm. uh, you know, is he not with him? And Ta- Manny very awkwardly says um, uh, something came up and it's not very convincing and Liz isn't convinced. Oh, yeah. Like he kind of, yeah, he tried to cover for Todd, but it didn't really, didn't quite come off there. Absolutely not. So Jessica strides in in her lilac head to toe outfit, carrying <laughs> a cake box. But uh, when she opens it for Edith, instead of Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop, it says, happy bar mitzvah shlomo. Well, there you go. Edith doesn't seem too phased by this, but I was annoyed because I wanted to see the Lamb Chop cake. I was looking forward to that. Same. Also, poor shlomo, whoever he is. What's up? Have a bar mitzvah cake. He's not into Sherry Lewis and Lamb Lamb Chop. Chop Looking at this, going, What the hell is this weird puppet cake? (laughs) Well, everyone cheers genuinely delightfully for she's a jolly good Enid, for she's a jolly good Enid, which is genuinely cute. It is. And uh, Liz. So takes Jessica aside, is like, What the hell happened with that cake? Jessica says it was on sale. Uh, so that's why she bought it and uh, spent the spare money that she saved on a cute barrette. Okay, I get like again a barrette is more of a a Liz move, but it's the nineties. Mm. Everyone's wearing little daisy barrettes, so we'll have to let true, that true, true. Uh, and she says truthfully that Edith clearly loves it, um, which is true. And she stands next to her cake with an equally delighted looking Manny and Cheryl, oh. and says that it's her best birthday ever. Oh. Oh, she is having such a nice time. And I was so glad that Ian did actually get like a, a fun birthday party. Same. And that was a very fun episode because that's the end. There you go. Yeah. And, you know, even though we didn't get a montage, we did get a bunch of weird transitions, a load yeah. of stellar work by the extras. So there's always something to make up for, for things you might be expecting. Exactly. You never know what you're going to get. Maybe it'll be a weird dream sequence in set in the 50s with ice cream. <laughs> like, it's, seriously, we're always being surprised by this show. Yeah, you never know. Well, uh, Pi Beta Alpha sisters and uh, and brothers and everybody, uh, mm. let us know what you thought of the episode. You know we absolutely love hearing from you. And we are, of course, on Twitter at SVHpodcast. And you can send us an email at SVHpodcast at gmail.com. And we are, of course, on Instagram, where the conversations are always uh, very lively <laughs> and funny. Uh, Pippi Ann Shirley said, as someone who had a series of garbage jobs for garbage pay as a teen, <laughs> with most having gross bosses who demanded more time, more effort, more commitment, I'm getting itchy by the idea that a high school schooler would even be allowed to go for a clearly full-time position at the Tribune. Like, we will never know what was going on at the Tribune, that they were literally encouraging 16-year-olds to go for full-time research assistant jobs. Very, very weird work practices there, for sure. Oh, I love this from Anne Foster, not that one. She said, okay, so I vaguely think I sometimes (laughs) watched this show in the 90s, but didn't remember any details of any episode until you have defiled my (laughs) masterpiece with your cloven oofs. (laughs) 
<laughs> Hearing you say this unlocked a memory for me, not of this episode or even the pig outfits, but that line, iconic. It really is. Honestly, yeah, that's fair, because what a line. <laughs> Where else would you get it? <laughs> really nowhere. Uh, I do like when listeners say that they have been uh, watching it in advance to sort of see how we'll react to the things that they have just watched (laughs) and Miriam Crozier got very excited with this episode yes uh, she was telling us that she had watched it in advance got to the eatery and howled laughing and have been waiting with barely contained anticipation to hear your take on the insanity all caps (laughs) Because how else could you possibly describe it? <laughs> True. So listeners, we I mean, we do recommend if you can watching the episodes before we uh, we discuss them, because some of the incidents really have to be seen to be believed. To be perfectly I mean, honest. We, we do our best to describe things, but sometimes, yeah, you just words aren't going to do it justice. <laughs> they really aren't. <laughs> Claire P. H. had a very good question. Uh, we the uh, problem page in the article. Um said, I did wonder why a high school paper that the students rely on has advice letters about being jilted at the altar. But I guess this is Sweet Valley where we've had at least 14 engagements in the last 100 books. So, you know, fair point. Very true. Those teens just love getting engaged. Oh, she also pointed out we missed some extra work in the last episode. I'm very disappointed and I apologise. Oh, oh yeah. There were some people in the the background of the Tribune office, I guess, saying things like, great article, Tom. Hey, thanks. (laughs) Ruth K83 had an amazing theory. She said, so I have a theory where there are no on-screen parents. How on earth do you cast a Ned and Alice, eternally youthful yet decrepitly old in their early 40s, when all of the teenage love interest hunks are played by 35-year-old <laughs> men? Such a good point. Like, how, how are they ever going to pull that off? <laughs> I mean, this this is the thing. You They would have to look about... 55 with lots of cosmetic surgery in order to sort of balance out the weird age thing in the Sweet Valley <laughs> universe. Um, we also learned about Burger's uh, preparation from Pippi and Shirley, who said that in North America, at least, I guess, in Five Guys, the staff have to harmonise while singing your order throughout the kitchen while they prep your burger. I mean, I I was very surprised by that because we do have some Five Guys outlets here now in Ireland yes. over the last couple of years. And like, they certainly don't do that out in Liffey Valley, I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my uh, 10-year-old nephew in London, no, my nine, sorry, he's nine in London, him and his friends from school for birthday parties, they have a special thing where only five of them will go uh, for a burger and they call it Five Guys Eating Five Guys. Oh so I will have to... <laughs> he's been to Five Guys very more often than me, so I'll have to ask him if it's, a, if it's a London thing too the next time he's on a Five Guys Eating Five Guys outing. Amazing. As, uh, I, think, I think a child would appreciate... Um, uh, staff singing to you but I think most adults would feel vicariously embarrassed for them and very uncomfortable well there you go it's just like nobody's enjoying this we know you're not so like let's let's all just not um I did like Marnie McFly VA's comment uh which was that she might have had some context for us for the whole pig daddy thing yes that uh that both pig daddy and the insane uniforms had to be an homage to pig burger from better off dead but reckon maybe I'm giving the writers too much credit. Now, I had to look this up because I was not familiar with Better Off Dead. Were you? Or had you heard that? No. Movie? 
No, I hadn't. I knew so, of it, but I hadn't seen yeah. it. Yeah, so it's like a John Cusack film. And it's one yeah. of these ones that like ends with a big ski race at a resort, which again, <laughs> simply not a genre of film I'm familiar with, other no. than like, the fact that that episode of Always Sunny kind of rips them off <laughs> and does a whole like ski lodge and, you know, the guys up the mountains. Um, but that was obviously a big kind of third act thing. <laughs> in a certain time of American cinema where there'd be a big race on the slopes and this is one of those movies so I looked up Pig Burger from Better Off Dead and they do have terrifying pig outfits <gasps> for the employees in there and it I you know it, it oh my god part of that or like an influenced by that kind of moment because there's simply no other explanation for those big <laughs> there just isn't <laughs> they're genuinely some of the weirdest ensembles I have ever seen in my life just baffling like truly oh so listeners if uh, if there's any other sort of weird film homages that we've missed do let us know because because <laughs> it's known to happen <laughs> and we do love uh, having things explained to us because we definitely don't maybe we missed something really crucial about basketball in this episode that, that you know changed the entire tone <laughs> who knows well this is the thing we have a fairly good handle on like American pop culture but every so often there will be things that have just completely bypassed us or just never yeah. made it across the Atlantic so like yeah, yeah that's a pretty common occurrence a lot of, I think at of, this stage a lot because the thing is you sort of think that loads of things made it across back in the 90s and obviously big films well hmm. not just big films but like films did yeah. uh, a lot of TV programs did but like things like game shows and stuff absolutely didn't and no. Um, or talk shows or sort of new, you know, obviously new shows just didn't. And again, American sports, like most of them, apart from basketball, just aren't widely played. Yeah, uh, I guess ba- uh, baseball is really big in Japan and Korea, but like mm. definitely in Europe, most of those sports just aren't played and people yeah. do not know the rules. It's why it's so hilarious where the World Series and the Super Bowl are sort of referred to as like the biggest sporting events in the world. It's like literally <laughs> nobody else plays these fucking things. So. It is just you guys. <laughs> yes. But it means that sometimes there are references to like famous American sports stars and oh. they are, you know, they have to reach sort of Tom Brady, like married to a supermodel before we would know who they are. True. Yeah. Um, Or like be a basketball player who has a line of shoes with Nike. Yeah. (laughs) There's a certain level you have to get to for actual international acclaim. Yes, because nobody's going to be watching the actual sports, just put it that way. (laughs) Exactly. But uh, yeah, do keep educating us, Pi Beta Alpha sisters. And uh, we thank you so much for supporting us because we, you know, we do this podcast as a as a labor of love mm. and the fact that some of you are willing to pay for it actually is uh is a lovely thing it's, and very very much appreciated it really is truly like yeah i mean yeah we're kind of amazed anybody is willing to, to give <laughs> us money but like at the same time we do put an awful lot of work into all yeah. of this so we really appreciate each and every one of you Yes, thank you all so much. And uh, we uh, we hope that you are enjoying this strange and terrifying journey as much <laughs> as we are. And uh, speaking of strange and terrifying, we will see you back in the main feed next week because uh, we're heading into the last half of Left at the Altar. And we did tease you in, uh, in last week's episode mm. about the fact that there is a stag party, but... There really is a stag party. Oh my God. Certainly an attempt. (laughs) 
and it gets raided. Oh God, it's just, oh. <laughs> it's the most tragic, <laughs> friendless tag party. I mean, just. I'm, you know, the nerds in this episode, were going to have a better time at that little abacus gathering. <laughs> Like one thousand percent. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> they would have been at this tag party going, "Oh my god, I can't believe I left my abacus at home for this." <laughs> Does this guy not have any actual friends? There you go. Melvin has friends. He's got a yes. posse. Like, yeah. Anyway, well, like Jeremy. Jeremy doesn't even have. Uh, Jeremy has uh, doesn't even have parents who can postpone their holiday to come to his wedding and give him can afford to go on a tour to Australia but will only give him koala sweatshirts as a gift his and hers koala jumpers <laughs> like where would you get it <laughs> Australia apparently oh, I guess, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah several of you got in touch to say how amused you were by uh, that beautiful wedding thoughtful wedding <laughs> gift and uh, yeah you uh you you have more uh, wedding shenanigans to enjoy in part two of Left at the Altar. But we will see you back in the clubhouse in two weeks time when we find out what happens when Todd apparently is on top of the world. But Liz finds out the tooth hurts. Oh. See you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.